from Royal St. George's at the 149th Open Championship. This is the Open Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the preview episode from the Open Podcasts as we gear up for the start of the 149th Open Championship. I'm Di Doherty and I'm going to be with you over the next five days, bringing you right inside golf's original major with the top stories from each round, all with the help of some fantastic guests. We are, of course, coming to you from the magnificent Royal St George's and we're right by the 18th green and here with Sky Sports, Rob Lee and BBC's sports correspondent, Ian Carter. Gentlemen, great to see you. Rob, I'm going to take you back to 1985 when you played in your first Open here at Royal St George's. What was that experience like? You played really well. Tell us about it. Well, um, my big thing was just to get into an Open. That was the first one I actually got into. And being here by the 18th green at Royal St George's, it's it's stirring old feelings that I had in 1985. I mean, as a young kid playing the tour, you can play tournaments that are big on the European tour, but nothing, and I knew it at the time, nothing would compare to an Open Championship. And I tried to pre-qualify in years as an amateur and then early years as a professional. And I finally got in in 1985 by playing well in the tournament before. I shot 69 in the final round at the Belfry, got my spot, got to St. George's, and everything that I thought an Open Championship would be was probably 1% of what it actually was when I got here. Why was that? Because it's just the, the, the amount of people that you don't see at a normal tournament. Lynx golf courses that the RNA set up for an Open Championship are on a completely different level. It is just through the roof in terms of star quality and in terms of how it makes you feel as a player. And I felt like I was, I, I had arrived <laughs> and, and this is my place. <laughs> Oh, brilliant, mm. brilliant. Yeah, it was a par 71 back then, uh, par 70 now. Ian, tell us about your first Open Championship. Which one was it? It was here. It was in 1993. The first one I went to actually was 1982 when I was a shelf stacker at Sainsbury's and I'd <laughs> saved up my money to go to Troon. But my first one professionally was 1993 here at Royal St George's. And I always remember I was working for the BBC World Service at, at the time and, and I just... I dropped so many hints in the. I really love my golf, you know. Yeah, I love really, it. Love I it. I love my Here's golf. Here's my golf I, CV. You know, yeah. Um, I, I'm not not the best player, but <laughs> I love it. I, you know, golf is a passion. Um, I'd really love to be on the Open team. The Open team. That's in July. The, and that, you, that you, one, you were so irritating. They let you go. Exactly. They said, get him out of the office. Oh, and can't so bear they him. sent me. And I, so I commuted <laughs> every day from uh, sort of South London um, to to be here. And of course, Greg Norman won. And but the biggest memory I had actually, and it, it comes flooding back, standing where we. are, right next to this 18th green yeah Payne Stewart had a putt for a 62 yes in the course of that championship and I was in the media center and I thought well th- this we need to keep this for history if it was first ever 62, 62 in a major we need this for history so I came out with a tape recorder and I hadn't got I mean I was so junior I hadn't got the armbands that we have now so I couldn't get inside the rope so I stood with the crowd and, and I got my tape recorder and my microphone and I was going to whisper this moment of history as Payne Stewart had a putt for 62. And he, then I didn't know you have to keep a little bit of bass in your voice when you do that commentary. Yeah. And anyway, so I, and I, I sort of took my first word and everybody just stood and looked at me as if, to, and I just, I'll, I'll leave it. And, um, 
<laughs> so, I so I didn't bother commentating on it, and um, and he missed that anyway. Oh, so it's got so it's 63. Got it's 63, which still is the lowest round, though, isn't it? With Nick Faldo, 63 here. Uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and of course, only Brandon Grace at an open with his 62 at Birkdale. That's the lowest in in major history. But uh, it's just funny, just standing oh, here. Oh, brings back so many memories. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you love it here, don't you? Do. It's it's very special to be by the 18th green here, isn't it? And we missed obviously the Open Championship last year. It's been a couple of years. So to be here, Rob, how how excited are you to watch the golf over the next few do you days? Know, do you know I'm see Royal St George's is a Marmite course. I mean, I know they say that all the time yeah. with lots of different things, but pros either love it or they just can't stand the fact that the ball might not end up where you start it off from the tee box. Yeah, I Brooks love wasn't it. very keen in the press conference yesterday. Yeah, do you know what? But uh, you know. It, the more you play it, the more you grow to love this place, honestly. It is phenomenal. The green complexes are very complicated. The fairways are just as God made them. Then they're just, you know, you've got a tee in the green and whatever you come across in between, that's the fairway. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So well, to be back at St George's for me, is a thrill. I had a Fantastic. remarkable moment last night in which my, my wife actually said, you made a very good point. Well, I wonder where you were going there. And, um, <laughs> and she never ever Tell says that. And that was because in my in my uh, piece for the BBC Sport website, I, I just mused that actually, are the players wasting their time on the range where they're obviously hitting off flat lies uh, all the time, practicing their swings? Because actually, when if you hit a fairway here, you're not yeah. hitting you're not hitting off a flat lie very no. often at all. And she's here, she, she's working as a student, went out to, to watch. And, oh, she was went, she? and she said, she said, do you know what? You made a good point there. I was looking at those fairways. They're never hitting off a flat lie. And Blind you, squirrels. Exactly. I know. Exactly. Sometimes they find an acorn. That's right. <laughs> so uh, my, my week's been made already. Oh, amazing. I love the fact that we can delve into the relationship between oh, you and your wife. It's all there. Fabulous. Uh, and the fans are back. 32,000 on every championship day. It will make such a difference. I mean, Shane Lowry, he, he needs crowds, doesn't he? Wants crowds. Yeah, he was saying that, wasn't he, uh, in early, earlier in the week. And, his, his, and you know, several players sort of form kind of took a dive when, when they were playing and they weren't obviously showing off and and that's yeah. that, that's exactly the point that Lowry was making I'm a, I'm a show off you know I want to show people how how well I can play this game and I yeah I was lucky enough to be at Wimbledon last last week and uh, have you no shame None. You know Shane. None He's very good at his job. Royal St George's. I know. He's living the, dream. You're living the dream. This is, this is life. Oh. This is life. And, and life just, being Carter. you know, and we all enjoyed the, the Euros and, and the fact that the crowds got bigger and bigger there as well. And sport with atmosphere is a completely different thing. And we are going to have bags of atmosphere this week. So in all seriousness, you know, sometimes you can get very cynical about, about sport. But I just feel like there is a genuine feeling of joy running through all of this because we're back to how it was. Oh, I think so. I think so. I've been uh, filming over the last few days and speaking to lots of the fans and they're literally just ecstatic to be here. And the greenkeeper, um, I spoke to the the head, the, the caddy master as well, Sean, and he just said the buzz around the place is, is off the charts at the moment. Well, we mentioned Shane Larry, the defending champion from 2019. He was in the press conference yesterday. Let's just take a, a quick listen to what he had to say. You know, been announced on the first tee as defending champion. I'll be happy, obviously, to get that tee shot away. And if you've seen the rough down the, down the first hole, I'll be happy if it's on the fairway. Um, even happier if it's on the fairway. But yeah, it's uh, I've, I've no idea. But like, I'm kind of going into this week with an open mind, and I'm really looking forward to the week ahead. And you know, I'm looking forward to kind of playing in the Open Championship because we did miss it last year. You know, and um, you know, I've obviously got a few of those to play in over the next number of years, which is pretty cool. And um, like I said, just I, I'm just looking forward to the whole week. 
Yeah, he's really looking forward to it. Rob, Rob what are your memories from Royal Port Rush 2019 and that performance from Shane? Um, I've got a couple of memories, actually. It, w- it was the Rory McIlroy tee shot at the first when he went out of bounds, and then the crowd roaring him to make the cut on the back nine on the Friday was was a thr- it was like um it was a sub thriller within the thriller which was the whole thing so once the Rory McIlroy thing had subsided attention turned to Shane Lowry and um, his performance down the back nine on a very difficult oh. day Tommy Fleetwood they were going toe to toe we didn't know which way it was going to go um, in the end you know, for Shane to join the pantheon of the Irish greats that have won recently an open, like Darren, like Rory, for him must have been just through the roof, through the charts. Yeah. Um, it was sensational. And to do it on the island of Ireland as an Irishman was incredible. Yeah, I mean, he kind of went into it under the radar, didn't he? Because all the attention was on Rory. But it's uh, I found fascinating him getting into, you know, that zone that we saw him in on the Saturday, which you you, see, you don't see players get into that often. I mean, I'm thinking of Royal Birkdale with Jordan Spieth when he got yeah. into the zone after going on the driving range. It's so special to watch that, isn't it? It is. And, and I think you make a fantastic point there about, about the Saturday. I mean, Rob referenced the, the back nine. I was lucky enough to walk all of the last 36 holes with with Shane and and you're right you know it was all about the story was Rory heading in and then it was about Darren Clark because he was hitting the first tee shot and it was Graham McDowell because he comes from from Port Rush and and Podrick Harrington because he's a former champion the one Irishman no one was talking about was Shane Lowry and then of course he found himself on on the leaderboard and he backed up an excellent Friday with the most sensational Saturday and that 63 was I think the the greatest round of golf I've ever seen in all the wow. circumstances you know he he just was relentless and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed and it, you're right he was in, almost in a trance he, he, and and I know um, that he's talked about how he, he was sort of turning to Bo his caddy and saying I, I can't believe that's my name on that leaderboard it was an out-of-body experience almost and that that is just such a precious place for any professional to be we I mean Rob knows he's he's done it and I know from talking to so many pros when they've had great days it is an out-of-body experience mm. it is that ability to just play one shot at a time and he did it for four days solid but especially on that Saturday yeah. which was just incredible I mean you could see it in his eyes couldn't you he was just in a different place yeah it was, yeah, and, uh, and he couldn't eat he, he couldn't have any breakfast couldn't have any, any lunch he was just he couldn't sleep I mean it's it, the nerves of an open championship cannot be underestimated can they do you know I think it's different for every player I don't think they're all the same and you can't you can't sort of whitewash everybody with the same platitudes that we always say you're going to be nervous you're going to be feeling like you're going to throw up not everybody is the same but if Shane was that nervous, he doesn't strike me as the kind of nervy guy, I've got to say. Every time I see... Shane Lowry is like every man. He's like the guy you're going to sit next to in a pub and have a drink with. He's just like... He's so ordinary, and that's not disparaging in any way. He's just so ordinary, which is so nice, but he's so special as a golfer. Yeah. But he generated a unique atmosphere for an Open Championship. We, I mean, Never before have we heard the ole, ole, ole yeah. that we have heard so many times in European Ryder Cup success. All of a sudden, you it's know, Ireland. Irish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it was just taking over... You know, and, and this was, it was in, pure entertainment, uh, wasn't it? Was, it? It was it was entertainment. It was passion. It was just a, a, a massive celebration because yes, it was entertainment, but there was a geopolitical aspect to it all. The, you know, the, 
know, the fact that Northern Ireland was staging an event of this magnitude and then an Irishman mm. was doing the business and it wasn't Rory McIlroy and it just had romance. It had absolutely every ingredient you would want. And for me, it, it, it remains my favourite Open. Yeah. I, you know, just for all of those reasons. Yeah. And to just have felt that and been there was, was an absolute privilege. Oh, my favourite bit of the whole thing yes. was actually the social media post-open celebrations of Shane Lowry. <laughs> that was my absolute favourite bit. Which bit in particular? All of it, when the whole pub was singing, him and Bo were up there, it was tremendous. Oh, Claret jug and Guinness flying everywhere. I mean, Couldn't that's be the way to celebrate it. It's going to be quite a, a, a moment when he tees off on Thursday and takes that opening tee, uh, his tee shot at this Open Championship. If you haven't already done so, you absolutely must relive Shane's victory with the story of 2019 from the Open podcast. As we're in the Garden of England this week, it's a good time to remember an Englishman hasn't won the Open since 1992. That man, of course, was Sir Nick Faldo, and George Harper caught up with him earlier this week to discuss the course. Sir Nick Faldo, welcome to Royal St George's. You've just walked the course, had a big day out there. What are your yeah. thoughts on it initially? You know, when you come back, you know, it's 18 years since I was last here, and that's what worrying, and at time, and then you suddenly appreciate, you know, it, it's character what it's got I mean how you know I keep saying there's so many keep using a couple of lines that one you can't see where you're going you can't see left edge can't see right edge cannot even see the green so that's kind of a trademark here's so many blind shots or even you know semi blinds and then you know obviously the rough is really serious because they've had two months of rain which they normally don't get in this corner of, the, of England and then the third point is when you see the greens, how much is kind of missing or just unpinnable? So you've got a full-size whopping green like the fourth, and they've got this much in the back in corner. The back so right, yeah. You know, I remember that, and you, and you, and actually all the slopes as I guess you get older look even more severe. <laughs> <laughs> back in my day, I could, I could handle them, you know, <laughs> but now when I look at, it, I think, how on earth are you gonna, how do you read that and see that? So uh, it's, it looks good. It looks, it looks a real, it looks great out there. I guess every time you do return to the Open, you are still the last Englishman to win back yeah. in 92. Um, it's an interesting tag to have. Do you think that maybe that could be broken at some stage? Soon? Yeah, there's always plenty of talented guys, but you know, like uh, you're handling that little bit extra because obviously it's talked about, it's built up a lot more, um, but you never know. Um, you know, the most obvious names was, was we were all were pushing Tommy Fleetwood for a couple of years. He's gone, he's gone a little quiet, you know. Paul Casey plays strong, Porter. It's difficult out there, so you never know. Porter could have a good week, but they all know it. My goodness, it's a long haul. It's yeah. you know, seventy-four days, seventy-two holes. I mean, you've got to, you've got to be so strong and solid in, in all departments. It's more like it's um, May. The turf is fantastic. The rolling fairways I love, um, and as I said, the greens are really dramatic because you've got to know if you pull it off edges of the greens it will just be a long uphill battle. So you've got to know how to feed it into the right sections, maybe not get super close, but there's certain times where just getting it in the right area will be really a lot better than probably 80% of the rest of the field will do. So I think that's, that's kind of how I would play it, how to get an advantage out here. Get it in the right areas of the green, so at least you're putting more than you're uh, you know, chipping or putting up, up the slopes. Who do you think's got the got the chocolates this way? This yeah, way? well, it's, it's ball flight. I mean, it's really trajectory. You've got to have players who know how to keep it down, know how to make it land and release. So you, you, I, I really think 
yeah, many of the American players are handicapping themselves. You know, coming from America is 100 degrees right now. You're going to come here, and it, of course it feels great in the sun, but it's only about just in the low 60s, isn't it? So, you know, mornings and evenings could be a little cooler, um, but it's a totally different style of golf course. You've got to you've got to have that great ability to shape the shots so it lands where you intend because if you hit the wrong shape you will miss your landing spot by miles so that's all very really important you know the right shape obviously the right club you know right areas of the green so you know i like the strategy guys really i think you know this is not a bombers golf course uh there's no point in thrashing it out there 350 if you're in this because you for starters, you probably won't find it. <laughs> and if you could, if you can, a couple of good swipes to get it 50 yards up the fairway. So, um, yeah, I like I like the strategy, boys, this week. Really good to hear from Sinek there, winner of three Open Championships. Uh, talking about the course, par 70, Ian, out in 35, back in 35. It's got four par threes, a couple of par fives, the seventh and the the 14th. First off, we're in the wild. Juneland area here on the the coastland in Kent. Do you like this course? Uh, it, it's grown. It's grown on. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I've heard so many players talk about the the unfairness of it, the inherent unfairness of, of the course. But this week, so many of the players have said, "I've come here thinking I don't like it. Now I've played it, and actually, I, I actually really quite like it." Rory said that. Even. Rory said yeah. that. Um, Lee Westwood has yes. said that. Um, and I, I think there are a couple Gary of reasons. Gary says it's, it's easy, though. Yeah, Gary. Yeah, um, <laughs> he, may, he may well. I can't see how it could. Anyone could construe it as easy. <laughs> Sandy Lars says it's one of the three beasts. Yeah, it, it is, and, and it's a it, it, it's a huge test, and it's a it's a physical test, and it's a mental test because yes, you are going to get those those bad bounces that will make you feel like this is a very unjust game. Having said that, they have made alterations to the course. We're looking down the 18th here, and and it is somewhat fair. It's less likely to repel balls. Um, they've created routes for the big hitters to get through the bunkers if they want to take it on which is going to add to the to the to the drama of it the fact that we had the rain at the weekend that's softened the course and i think that the the rna actually don't mind that they don't want the players feeling that this is unfair and a lottery i think they want to reward good golf and and to me walking around the course that's exactly what it's going to do yeah. and and i think it's got the it's it's so, one of the things that really bubbled up for me i don't know what you think rob was Walking around the course, just the number of memories that came back. Thomas Bjorn, the bunker on 16. Langer going out of bounds. Dustin Johnson going out of bounds on the 14th. Um, I remember a very fortuitous um, mishit approach from Darren Clark in his final round into nine. That, that you know, somehow, if, that somehow the miracle bounce with the face <laughs> of the bunker and everything, it, he it, skipped over it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so suddenly you just think, do you know what? This is a really good venue yeah. to generate... Yeah. Yeah really exciting memorable moments i think so what's the weather going to do though because it's, it's going to brighten up isn't it you're Is always going to get... get a sea breeze but they're yeah. not talking about 25 30 mile an hour winds but you're going to get a sea breeze which is going to affect how it, how the course plays but i think looking how do you at, want it to play I, I, I it can play however whatever nature throws at us it can play that way looking at it now up yeah. the 18th behind the 18th green up that fairway 
the place is phenomenal. It really is. Yeah, it looks spectacular. It, it, I, was, it I was so impressed. It's my, it's my first time here, so I, I walked the course a couple of times this week. And uh, obviously, the Himalayan bunkers on the fourth hole stand out. Uh, I was speaking to a couple of the players. They, they were saying it's 270 to, to fly those bunkers, but they do come into play when the, when the wind blows, Rob. Yeah. You know, how treacherous are they? And that, I mean, well, it's, it's over 40 feet deep, that bunker. It's the, the the deepest bunker on the open rotation. Do you know what? Around I think this golf I want people course, to Google it. Around this golf course, there are 18 Himalayan bunkers. It's called rough all the way around. <laughs> the bunkers, if you go in that bunker, yes, you're going to splash out and you can't reach the green in two. You'll get on in three. The pros will do that. But yeah. the rough around here, because, I mean, I've, I've heard they haven't really cut the rough for two years here. And we've had wow. a lot of rain. It's lush. The roots of the grass are really juicy. If you go offline here, it's like being in a Himalayan bunker and you've got to, you know, endure that for four and a half, five hours every time you go around here. John Daly flew the green, didn't he, on the 5th in 1993. Uh, yeah. I, we're I, not going to see that. Are we going to see that this week? Are people I don't going know. for the green? I was, I was standing there on, the, uh, on, on that tee on Sunday and just thinking, I mean, to, to, a, to a club golfer's eye, you just... No. You, you just it's, it, and you're thinking is Bryson going to take this on he will if the wind is right he'll take yeah. it on yeah. he'll yeah. take it on for sure well, Bryson that's what was, he does and he was yeah. on the back nine I was watching him on the 14 he said to a couple of the stewards because to fly the ditch on 14 is 340 yeah. and he said if the wind is like this which was in, which was helping yeah. he would go for it yeah. I mean, it's remarkable. And he pitched it into the bunker, just short of the green on the right on 12. And to pitch it in there is 340. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I spoke to him yesterday and, and I said, are we going to see a hybrid, Bryson? And he said, that's a very good way of putting it. I am going to take things on, but there are going to be points where you just can't the risk is it's not too, going to be stupid it's too great yeah, yeah. and yeah. he knows he knows that this is not winged foot where he won the u.s open yeah. where if he found the rough there was a, there was a way of bunting it out especially with those extra long shafted wedges that he has mm. that could run the ball up onto those greens that's that's not an option here if, if you get into the thick yeah. stuff you know he knows he even he can only come out sideways yeah but he's building it's, brand bryson i mean he's, he's he's good at it he's very good at it he is very yeah. good yeah i mean yeah. he it gets us talking about, oh, do you think Bryson will go for this? Do you think Bryson will go for that carry? We talk about it every time he comes to a I tournament. I know, so many stories developing yeah, from what he good. says There's in, no in mug. press conferences. But just speaking about the back nine quickly, I mean, I was speaking to the caddy master and he was saying he remembers when Sergio was on 11 on the par three, got his driver out and was short of the green and <laughs> threw his glove down. Couldn't believe it. I mean, the par threes, they are so tough. They are tough. And, you know, the shortest one is, is the 16th at 160 odd yards. And we know what happened to poor old Tom beyond there and um, that's one of the quirks of this this golf course as well just just in 2003 obviously everyone remembers the fact that he took three to get out of the bunker and lost by one but what i think some people forget is that earlier in the championship he'd gone into another bunker failed to get out hammered the 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 the, the sand in in anger two shot penalty oh. so actually if you add up the number of shots actually hit that week mm -hmm. Thomas Bjorn hit the fewest shots <laughs> he lost by one with that two shot penalty I, you know there's another oh. little Royal St George's story you well know, and he was actually just behind us about 10 minutes ago I, know, I saw he I saw it sloped off before I told that story y yeah he, he could smell it from a <laughs> from a few feet away um moving on to um I want to talk about who's who's in contention this week John Rahm obviously winner of the US Open going for Back to back major wins. You you were in the press conference with him, Rob, yesterday. Actually, so before we mm. and and you were as well, Ian. Before we speak to you, let's hear from John Rom, who spoke yesterday. It, you do have a sense of 
at least I did have a sense of relief after winning the first major, right? Um, you know, I felt like for a better part of five years, all I heard is major, 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 just because I was playing good golf, as if it was easy to win a major championship. Uh, but, but the fact that you are expected to win one means nothing, but, you know, you're playing good golf. So a bit of relief in that sense, but doesn't really change, right? Uh, still the next one to win. So I'm, I still come with the same level of excitement, obviously, and, and willingness to win. So um, more focused on, you know, it would be pretty incredible to be able to win the Open. You know, nobody after Seve has been able to do it. So to give Spain that, that would be pretty unique as well. Rob, I know you were really impressed with this press conference yesterday. Yeah. The way he handled himself, the way he delivered information, courteous. Do you know what I was impressed with? He ran the show. The moderator was saying to maybe a correspondent that would have asked a question to move it on. And, and John will go, no, 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 I believe you've got a follow-up question. He stopped it two or three occasions to let the, the scribe the writer, the correspondent, whoever it was, asked another question, a follow-up question, which is often the most important one because, oh, I've got something here, I want to probe a bit further. And John Rahm was prepared to let them have their time and do that. It really was impressive. Bear in mind, I know he went to college in America. It is still a second language. He thinks in Spanish. He was phenomenal. Yeah, he learned English by rapping, didn't he? Listening to rap music. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. And, and I, I have to say, you know, people often ask me who's your favourite golfer to, to interview. And that, down the years, there have been plenty. I'd, I'd say he's right up there right now as my favourite interviewee. I mean, I, I managed to grab a, a, a chat with him uh, afterwards and I was buzzing. I mean, Really? What did he really say to you? Well, it was funny because he obviously he was talking about the he reasons. He said he's die here. Yeah, he said he's well, die yes, here. He, yeah. he, yeah. he wants to know where did you get the white trousers yeah. from, which obviously. are an incorrect no, exactly. attire today. Yeah, no, he, he was. I forgot about that bit, but yeah, he did mention that. <laughs> no, he, he was, Cheers, I, Rob. I Thanks. made the point to him because he was telling us obviously about why he's got this short backswing action, and I said, well, if you think about it, Darren Clark and Sandy Lyle, both both players that had very short. Shortish, shortish yeah. backswings, back and you know they've done all right here. And sure enough, he came back and said, "Yeah, and Greg Norman, he had a really long flowing swing." <laughs> so. Oh, he's fantastic. Well, there was quite an incredible moment actually in Rom's press conference when he opened up about the physical limitations that impact his swing. Listen to this. So, for people that don't know, I was born with a club foot on my right leg, uh, which means uh, for anybody that's sensitive about that, this is my right leg up to the ankle was straight, my foot was 90 degrees turned inside and basically upside down. I think it was every week I had to go back to the hospital to get recasted. Uh, so from knee down, my leg didn't grow at the same rate. So I have very limited ankle mobility on my right leg. It's a centimeter and a half shorter as well. So what I mean by limitations is I can't take a full swing because my right ankle doesn't have the mobility or stability to take it. So I learned at a very young age that I'm going to be more efficient at creating power and be consistent from a short swing. If I take a full, take a full to parallel, yeah, I might create more speed, but I have no stability. My ankle just can't take it. Yet never allow perceived limitation to prevent you doing anything, Rob. That was the message I got from the press conference. Was that out of a cracker? That was out of a cracker, yeah. Like a yeah. Chinese fortune cookie or something. I was just, I know, I found it really emotional, him talking about it. He really wanted to talk about it, didn't he? I think, yeah. I mean, I, uh, Ian will 
give us his take, but I, I'd never heard that before. The, the reason it's remarkable that he's not been asked that before. I think he's been asked. He just hasn't come out with. It. He's been asked, "Why have you got a short swing?" Well, I find it efficient, and I, and I and I think I'm a big, strong guy. And he's come out with all that sort of stuff yeah, before. Yeah. And he came out with with the club foot as a baby, and obviously the ankle hasn't got the stability that it might have. And he's got hypermobility in his wrists. That's why he can bow his wrists easily and get into that position when he hits the ball. So physically, he's made his body work the best way it can with the way he can swing it. He's got a swing that matches what his body allows him to do and boy oh boy oh boy I I, I, I you know you look at John Rahm from a purist point of view and you think mm, but but from a ball hitting um, physical technical point of view John Rahm is as good as it gets yeah he is as good as it gets you've got the pretty swings the Adam Scott's and the Roy McElroy's but as a as a hitting machine John Rahm is as good as it gets. It's remarkable what he's done, Ian. He's worked with his body, hasn't he? He has, and he's come up with a method that works, and he is comfortable with the fact that he's got a method that works, and so he is not tinkering with it. If, if it does change, it will only be through evolution. Um, and it's someone who is absolutely comfortable with what he's got, and I think that what he's got now as well is a mental fortitude and a mental outlook, which means that he can then make the most of that. He yeah. knows that yeah. he can hit every fairway and he can hit every green if he plays at his best. So let's get the mind in the position that allows me to do that and that was why he won that US Open at Torrey Pines that was why he was able to step up hold those putts on the 71st and the 72nd greens to win his first major and I think that is lift off moment for John yeah I do I I think I mean the way he dealt with Memorial it it highlights again the mental strength and the Mm. resilience that he has I see echoes of Tiger Woods in what John Rahm says and how he has clarity of thinking and how he has brought everything boiled everything down to a singularity Woods did that all the time, and I see that in John Rahm, in what he says, how he behaves, how he sees things, how simple his, his ethos is. If I've got to work on my swing when I get to a major, it's a red flag for me. It ain't going to happen. I mean, you see a lot of people struggling on the range this week. Rahm's not one of them. No. I mean, it's dangerous to use Seve as a barometer, isn't it? But potentially, could he, could he compete with those five majors? Oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, and and also he is very, very. He's acutely aware of it. He said, he said to me, you know, no Spaniards won two majors in the same year. Brilliant. He knows yeah. his history, doesn't so he? So he knows his history. Yeah. Um, so he he knew that no Spaniard had won a USGA event. So um, that was why that was a big deal for him winning the US Open. Well, do you know what? There are so many talking points, and we're right by the 18th, and it's a uh, it's a rather special view. We've got Rory McIlroy on the green winner of the Open Championship in, in 2014, finished tied second in 2018. Uh, Rob, over to I'm just mesmerised by watching him right now. What How do you rate his chances this week? Listen, Rory hit a brilliant shot into the 11th in the final round of the US Open. If he'd have two-putted that, I think that momentum might have carried him on. He'd have been, a, he'd have been right in John Rahm's face coming down the stretch. And then he, he three-putted it and he found a, a plugged unplayable at the next, took a double. That was kind of his chance coming down the stretch gone. But Rory's never too far away. He's too good a player. I know he's working with Pete Cowan and he's making some subtle changes, but he just needs... He's one of those guys, if he gets up on top of the wave on the board, he can stay on it. So that's that could happen this week, particularly with the course being a little softer. Yeah, which is what he said in the press conference. But he, he said as well that he always learns from his mistakes. Mm, I thought there was a glint in his eye ah, in that press conference. Did uh, you I'm, see one? And I remember feeling that 
at Kiowa when he won his second major at the really? PGA Championship. Um, yeah, I may have, I, you know, who knows? But I, I, I do think. Did he have he's something got, in his eye, or was it a glint? No, it was a glint. Great. Definitely. And I think there's a, I think there's a real chance. But what, what I'm enjoying here is seeing Darren Clark as well, because this brings back great memories. I remember when he tapped in for his victory a te, uh, ten years ago. Yeah. You know, just saying. Because the roars, they were akin to what we had and we were talking about Lowry earlier on. I remember saying in commentary, has there ever been a more popular winner? And it was just such a glorious moment, wasn't it, at the age of 42? How good would it be if a Westwood could follow, you know, follow in suit over this, this week? You know, that would be surely the most popular oh, win that would be amazing. in England, wouldn't it? But yeah. I, thinking back to, to um, 2011, that, that was a, so, so special coming down the 18th with Clark and the place, you know, the roof coming off in, in support of him. Oh, I've got, I've got goosebumps. I mean, you finished at five under par, didn't he? He was ranked 111th Correct. in the world rankings. Yeah. So that same year, actually, Keegan Bradley won the USPGA. He was ranked 108. Good knowledge. And then the next 35 major championships were won by players in the top 50 of the world rankings. That changed this year when Phil Mickelson won the USPGA ranked 115th. Now we've just seen John Rahm. Have you swallowed an encyclopedia I'm, or something? Honestly, I'm, so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It could start. The Rahm's win at the US Open could start those ranked right at the top of the world yeah. rankings win, having another streak, yeah. so to speak. There you go, I finished. I'm going to put the mic well, down tell now. You what, tell you what people don't realise. Rory's open record is much better than people oh, think. Oh, absolutely. Bar, bar the it one missed cut, yeah. Yeah. he's yeah. like a top fiver. Yeah. Five top tens in open yeah, championship I think they're top, history. Yeah, like the top fives Bar one in top fives in the last five or six opens. Yeah, tied second in 2018 but he said he found something on Sunday didn't he in the presser yeah he said there was just something that, that he, he, he found in his game which makes him feel very very good mm. coming in here I mean just looking at him now the, the body language is I think really positive and that that was the thing I, that really cheered me from a McElroy point of view at the US Open this that wasn't one of those majors that he lets that he let slip in a, in the sense that he played himself, he played his best golf when he most needed yeah. it. He got himself into a position going into the back nine. Okay, it didn't happen on the on that Sunday, but it was it felt different to the other kind of near misses that he's had and the other majors where he's not found his best golf when he's most needed it. Yeah. There, there, there was there was a there was a bounce about him, mm. and I think you know, I think I see it here as well. Yeah, you, I mean we look at Rory, and I, I'm sure you like I think superstar. As soon as you see oh, Rory, you think superstar. So we're in yeah. I, I, my office. Office. My studio was on the on the range in Ireland just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Rory was hitting balls 15, 20 feet from me. But I'm doing all the things I have to do. Finally, finish the last link, and I'm done. So I just stroll across there with Rory and Harry and Rory, the only two people there, and I'm watching them hit balls. So I'm, I love golf swings. <laughs> love watching them hit. And I chatted with Rory for 15, 20 minutes, like, like we're down the pub and then what was he saying and just, then, well, just well then then McGinley came along and McGinley what, and ruined it no no no, no <laughs> McGinley came along Sean came along and McGinley Rory myself and Sean stood without moving on the range for an hour talking I mean there's, there's oh your, that's there, amazing there's your superstar I mean people would pay a lot of money for that that's an brilliant hour. it was like and people going Any Rory nuggets? autograph Rory autograph and he said yeah yeah no problem but I'm not finished here I'll, do, I'll come and give you everything you want yeah. when I'm done. And we talked for an hour. It was phenomenal. And that's it, a lovely moment there right now. Him and, yeah. and Darren, they've just walked straight up to a microphone with Stephen Watson from absolutely. BBC Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're doing, a, doing an interview. That it, it smiles all round. I yeah. mean, they look so cheery, don't they? Yeah. They've got some cracking tans as well. 
Yeah, it's good. Oh, it's really lovely, really lovely yeah, moment. Rory's a top. I, I, like I said yesterday, I used to pull for Tiger to win every single event, every single time I pull for Tiger. And, and now... When, and when Tiger kind of got to the point where it looked like he wasn't going to compete even every week, Rory was my guy. And I pull for Rory to win every time he's playing because I just want him to do stuff that I can't do and set records and just shatter the place and bring the house down. That's well, why I pull for Rory. Could it be a second open title for Rory to add to the one that he won in 2014? He's been speaking about what makes the Open Championship like nothing else he'll play all year. You know, when you turn professional, you know, 90%, 95% of the golf you play isn't this style of golf, so you always have to adjust a little bit. And But um, over the years, I've just become more and more comfortable with this type of, this style of golf. Uh, and I think more than anything else, it's, <clears throat> there's just, there's a lot more variables in the Open Championship and on Lynx courses. And once you learn that you can't control those variables and you just have to go out and accept whatever's given to you. Um, so I think as I've got a little more experience and matured, um, you know, I've been able to play this championship a little bit better. And yeah, hopefully I can continue that record this week. Let's talk about the English challenges for this Open Championship. We'll start with Tommy Fleetwood to Ian, runner-up obviously in 2019. What kind of form is he coming into this event? Well, we were talking earlier about you know the the, the effect of crowds and 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 it, it's not been great for Tommy, has it? In in the sort of the COVID era, he was in he had a lot of momentum and then suddenly it, it all stopped when we had lockdown and he's not really found found it again and he's not done much at all since finishing runner-up at the last Scottish Open. I, I thought he was relatively chipper yesterday he we know he's got the game to get it going but i just feel like uh, that that switch has to has to be flicked and whether that can happen this week or not uh, remains to be mm. seen be lovely to see yeah. and and having had a taste of that unique atmosphere at royal port russia and have been the mm. closest witness to to lowry that might be the inspirational um, push that he, he might get yeah he's coming off the back of a, a tie 26 at the scottish last week what, what do you make of his do you know, I His think for all these guys, the, the first, everyone talks about the last round, the first round is so important. Yeah. You, you're Tommy Fleetwood, you, have, you break 70 in the first round here at Rolls and George, you are automatic, you're in it, you're invested. You can see a way through this, um, the quagmire of talent that is here at the Open Championship this week. You can weave your way through to what might happen on the Sunday if you get off to a good start. And if Tommy gets off to a good start and he's in it straight away, uh, he's got a link to me, he's got a links like game. He's got a game that translates to a Lynx course. And I just, I got a good feeling from this ah, week. Yeah. Great. So, well, he run up in 2019, as we say, he knows he'll have to work hard this week if he's to recreate the same kind of success he found at Royal Portrush. Let's take a listen from him now. You take from it the experience you've, you've got. Um, I think the last, from dating back to Troon, which was 2016, when I was you know, I was off the planet, I couldn't hit a golf shot, but I've improved every Open since then. If that trend carries on, then there's only one way to go, which would be really, really nice. But I think, um, you know, you take from it all the good stuff and, and what you learn. And, you know, it's like I said, it's two years ago now, and it's been a while since I've actually uh, been up there and competed or had a chance in a major or even a golf tournament, given that. So... Um, but you, you can draw on all those memories. 
Lee Westwood playing in his 25th Open Championship, Ian. In the press conference, he said that he's not had a great experience here in the past. No. He's missed the last two cuts in Opens. Yeah. But he, he sort of he likes the feel of it now that he's played a, a couple of practice rounds. Yeah, that, again, he's one of those players who sort of come here and thought, I don't really like this place, and then played it and went, actually, it's not bad. I quite like it. Do you it. know when he and, said, um, remember he said, I don't really like St Andrews? I don't yeah, really like yeah, Remember yeah, that, exactly. all yeah, that, that all changed. That all changed. Golfers listen, do that, though, don't they? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, He's so, I, I think the, the perspective that he has at the moment, if he can hang on to that, um, which brought him those high finishes in America earlier in the year and brought him the race to Dubai and various wins on the European Tour where he just hits it, finds it, hits it again and doesn't let his mind run away with itself as it has done in the past. And I think he's, he's kind of hinted that he recognises that has been a problem in the past. Yeah. If he can just harness the, the latter day westward and as you say first day is vital. If you put yourself in, into a decent position you don't lose it on the first day then he can suddenly think well hang on a minute my strengths are finding fairways off yeah. tees yeah. and and you know, let's let's give this a go. And let's as I say, I think that would be the best story in, in, oh, possible. It would you know, be we've not had an English winner of an Open in England, in England since, since Tony Jacklin, 1969. Yeah. And, you know, English sport is hurting at the moment, as we know from last weekend, for all sorts of reasons. So what a way to, to heal the hurt if, if Westwood were to, to, to do the job come, yeah. come Sunday night. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, and I think, I actually think, Lee, look, we're talking about really good players here. I think Lee Westwood sorry, could win an Open Championship and he could win here this week. I've been watching him. He's practised a lot this week. Nobody's hitting it better than he is. Wow. Nobody's hitting it better than and Lee he, Westwood. And he can take inspiration from, from what Mickelson did at the PGA. Yeah, Mickelson's sure. probably about the only other player in the field who's older than him. Even yeah. Richard Bland. Yeah. You can look at things 48, like that. 48, yeah. 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 Well, he, he said in the press conference that his putting, he feels over the years his putting's better now than it was 10, 20 years ago. His long game's pretty much the same. He, I mean, he's so consistent, Rob. Would you agree that his putting's improved? I think, yeah, I think I think his, his averages are higher than they were. He was more streaky when he was younger. Don't forget, in his day, he was the best closer of a tournament that we had in European golf. Nobody could close a tournament out like Lee Westwood did. And then he had a period where he kind of that magic just disappeared for a bit but he's but he's got some late magic now in his yeah. you know as he approaches 50 he's playing some of the best golf of his life and mentally stronger ian yeah i think so i you know I, he was he, you know he was talking about being less consistent now and it was all than compared with a decade ago when he was the world number one but when he's on i think he, he he's every bit as good as he was when he was at the very top of the game and and i think he's probably better equipped to get the job done in a major i think there's a, there's a statistic doing the rounds this will be his 88th major and yes. and he equals jay haas as the player who's played most majors without, without winning yeah. one um and he, he and having been a world number one and jay haas never was yeah, that and he deflected it he just said yeah well there's proof I'm a, i've been a good player for a long time yes. i played an 88 major <laughs> yeah. so he takes the positives he doesn't yeah. he, you know the fact that he's not won one well, that's that's which is a great way to look like at that. life. Exactly, yeah, turn yeah. it on its head into a positive. And, but you've got to be able to do that under the heat of pressure yeah. on the back nine come Sunday if you've put yourself in that position. Yeah, and that ultimately you've got to say he's never answered that question. Uh -huh. But I think he's got the capability of doing that potentially this week. But mm. winning majors is hard. It's just it is. It's just hard. And there's lots of ways to win a major. You can back into one like Ben Kirst. 
Ben Curtis did here. When he held that putt on the last screen, it was like, oh, that's good, I finished top five, that's going to get me an invite to somewhere else, whatever. He's not holding a putt to win the Open, yet he won the Open. Yeah. So there's lots of ways you can win one. Well, you come, sometimes you'll post a score and the wind gets worse and nobody gets past you and you win. Lee Westwood's been in you know, the thick of it many, many times. It just hasn't happened for him. Yeah, mentally and physically draining to win an Open Championship. Some, some one person actually missed Ben Curtis winning because he was asleep. Brooks Kepka <laughs> spoke in his press conference yesterday. He said he came over for a family holiday, played some Lynx golf with his family, and then uh, my mum told me off because I was asleep in one of the pavilions when Ben won. Did you hear that, Ian? <laughs> what did you make of what that. he said? Oh, it was classic. <laughs> it was classic Kepka, wasn't it? I mean, he used to be the 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 one player that you just think oh, I can't be bothered with that press conference because <laughs> Dicky Dolesville, and then. And then all of a sudden he started saying stuff. And of course, there's the, the, the ongoing thing with Bryson DeChambeau. But he's got a little tail. Every time he comes yes, into a press he? conference, he's just got a little story for us. He's, I'll, tell, he's you, I'll tell you a little story yeah. about Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka yeah. came across, as you know, in, and played in the Challenge Tour. Yes, yeah. Uh, with Won Peter Scotland, Uline. Didn't he? Okay, yeah, they, yeah. They, kind of, you know, they came across as the two American lads. Brooks is now a major winner superstar. And the Challenge Tour were playing the Rolex Trophy in Geneva. And Brooks Kepka came on a video link. All the players were in were in the in the bar in the clubhouse, and some of the members were there. And Brooks Kepka came on a video link and talked to them as Challenge Tour players, as he was a Challenge Tour player, and was saying, "You know what? When I came on the Challenge Tour, that is the best time I ever had in my life, playing Challenge Tour, meeting new guys, French guys, Spanish guys, uh, Argentine guys, going around Europe uh, with different currencies, and my passport." He said, "That's the most fun I ever had playing golf, playing Challenge Tour." And he said, this is your platform. He said, I've got here with my beginnings being on the Challenge Tour. There's no reason why any of you is sitting in that room, what, listening to me on this, on this video call, can't achieve what I've achieved. So I'm just telling you, believe in the dream. Yeah. It's happened to me. It can happen to you. And Amazing. that was absolutely free. He gave it. They took it. And they loved it. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. He's playing in the seventh Open uh, tied fourth in 2019. Mm. Doesn't like the course though. No, he said it I, doesn't suit his eye. And I just wonder how that negativity will impact. Will it? Will it uh, inhibit him, or in a strange way, will it inspire him? I'm going to beat you, even though I don't like you. And he did say, you know, I've won at courses I don't like. Um, but doesn't, again, doesn't you know, bother he me. Didn't mince, I'll he play just courses I don't like. Yeah. I'll go and win. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't mince his words as we've been saying um, and you look at his record in the majors what is he he's he's uh, since 2016 he's 80 odd under par yeah, he's at phenomenal. the majors wow. which is is you know i think he's great it, it, it's miles better yeah. than any other player on the planet I think so he great. does reserve his best golf for the biggest tournaments. And he say that's his strength. And he puts it out there. I, yeah. I, I'm a major guy. My, my yeah. thing is the majors. And you know what? He comes to a major yeah. and he performs. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Hasn't got his chef here this week. And hasn't got his personal trainer, but that's okay because he, he's got. Uh, I think there's like four of them in a house, which they don't normally stay together. So. He's quite enjoying it, but the food's not as good because his chef's not here. Moving on to, to Bryson. You seem you... slightly disappointed that the chef's not here. Well, no, I was quite interested. That, that's, what... well, that's your life, isn't it? Well, I'd quite... That's your life. bubble life. That's right. I, I want that's to know right. what he eats, though. I want to know what they're Diet. cooking this week. If you could find out, Ian, please. It's okay. a, How it's many chefs important. have you fired? Well, I'm on my third at the oh, moment, yes. Okay, um, just I wish, I wish. <laughs> Moving on to Bryson, obviously there's the, the banter between both of them. Are you... Are you Ian, are you bored with it, or you, do you like it? I'm getting it a bit. It's it's getting a bit tiresome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now. Um, I, and 
uh, you d- I, I thought it overstepped the mark when when Brooks took to media, social media and said beers for people who heckle Bryson and, and you know if you've been kicked out of the memorial tournament I just thought well you don't really, I mean Too I much. like I like a little bit of niggle and intrigue and 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 honesty to it but I just think it's it's just going on a bit now yeah down the lines yeah and I think you know Bryson we talked about him earlier is such an interesting uh, character and and when you get him talking he is engaging mm. and and then there are other aspects of his game you know I mean he got asked yesterday why don't you shout four um, when you're hitting the ball into the crowd, he's like, I do shout for, and we're like thinking, do you? Do you really, Bryce? We've got do some you? videotape, maybe. Um, yeah. So, you know, there, there are. So he is a Marmite character, the, yeah. and, and yeah. you need those, and you need the yeah. characters, and you need the focal points, because if they're all the, the, the same, then it's much harder for people to relate to the sport. And so I think both of them are really important figures for the game. So just touching on his game so, plan this well, week. Well, I'd just like to. Um, follow on from Ian there I, I, I rail against the bland blandness just does my head in uh-huh. so I love Bryson and I love Brooks and I just like the frisson I like the back and forwards and it's all out there on social media and I think secretly they're both having a bit of fun with it I really do I think I think they're I think do you know what if they had to play with each other as a pair in the Ryder Cup I just don't think they're... I think they could do it easily. It'd be box office as well, It would it? be box it office. Would, it would do you think they'll be put together? He, I and, mean, and just to be clear, you weren't having a go at Richard Bland there. I was... No, well, no, no, I, no, no, I no, thought no, we no, were going no. to see the 48-year-old then. No. No, no. I, I like to see uh, characters, outliers. Yeah, 100%. I like to see that. Um, I, I, you know, Robo Pro. Yeah. That doesn't do it yeah. for me. I want to see Guido Migliozzi. You saw, you saw how exciting he's been to watch the young Italian. He's got a bit yeah. of that oomph, yeah. and I love to see that passion on the golf course. John Rahm, Sergio Garcia, Seve, oh, show me that. Brilliant. Well, Brooks said, you know, if they are put together in the Ryder Cup, it's only a week. I can, I can do business, no problem. Yeah, but he did. He said he didn't expect to be partnered with him. No. And then Bryson said, "Oh, I'll play with him. I'll, I'll, I'll play <laughs> yeah. with him." And I, I think as a four-ball pairing. They could be formidable because the first thing that they'd want to do is beat each other, yeah. which then guarantees that you're posting oh, a really good score yeah. on any given hole. Yeah. So, uh, and that that was the dynamic that was somewhat at play with Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth yeah. when they were paired together yes. in the American Ryder yeah. Cup team. So it might be something that Steve Stricker thinks about, but I'm not sure that he's. I'm not sure that Steve no. Stricker is the kind of character that would go down that route. So no. Al different- Sutton maybe. He, he, the tiger and the tiger and Phil. Yeah. Let's put them together. So many different storylines developing. But uh, Bryson, he's got a new he's got a new caddy, hasn't he, for this week? He's throwing his friend in the deep end. Yeah, Brian Ziegler. Yeah, it was on Instagram. <laughs> he, th- he, was, he, he threw was, Brian in the yeah. swimming pool with it's his the bag. The most confused man in the world. Oh, Bryson's caddy. Well, the caddies really. Absolutely. Well, the, 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 inf- what, how he, the language he had with his previous caddy was. Uh, gobbledygook to the rest of us. I mean, they they had and an same understanding. same with Brian. Same with Brian. Brian's going to have to learn it. Well, this is his, you know, first major. The caddy, the local caddies here have been going round with the professional caddies, and the professional caddies have been soaking up all the information. Useful thing to do, would you say? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I think as a caddy, you'd want, especially if you've never been here before, as much input as you can get for sure. There are so many nuances about playing this golf course. It, I know it's in front of you, it's right in front of you, but there are subtle things, places you can't go, places you could go and get away with it, and you have to know all that. Rob, I'm interested to know, do you think the greens are as you see them? Because they, you know there are some very obvious contours on there, yeah. but are there subtleties involved there are. as well? There are, and, and a lot of them tend to repel the golf ball. 
a lot of them are much smaller than they look. You look at a green, you think that's quite big, but actually it's going to run off there, it's going to run off there. You've only got that little bit to hit it in. And those are bits of information that are critical when you're playing a golf course, especially if the breeze gets up. Yeah. And we might get a, we might get a sea breeze 10, 15 miles an hour. We might do. Probably will. Yeah. I was asking you about where you thought the Sunday pin would be as we stood next to the 18th green here. What, what about yourself, Ian? Where do you think they're going to put it on I, Sunday? I'd, I'd like to see it just on that sort of left side. There's a sort of raised area and anything that... The that, Sandy Lyle spot. Yeah, exactly. Anything that misses to the left, the ball yeah. goes down into Duncan's Hollow. Duncan's Hollow. And that's where it was all, could call it Sandy's Swale. That was where yeah. he struggled to get out. They eventually did and yes. hold the putt to, to win in 1985. So mm. I'd like to see that I'd like to see that pin there and I'd like on the 16th to see it close to the bunker on, on the right the, as the well. The Thomas Bjorn pin. The Thomas Bjorn pin. You're actually evil, aren't you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Fabulous. I mean, that's surely that's what they'll do, isn't Look, it? Look, the, the RNA have set this course up this week. It, it has never been, for me, in better condition. And oh, I, yeah. It's amazing. For me, it's never been as good as it is right now. This is, this is St. George's, Royal St. George's, at its very best. Um, and I think the whole tournament, the Open this week, we're going to have a phenomenal week. Mm. So, gentlemen, who do you think is going to win this Open, Rob? I um, was saying... Um, speaking earlier saying that if this was a horse race and I was a jockey I'd be gouging and cutting hamstrings and elbowing people in the nose to make sure that I could get on the back of John Rahm yeah. it is John Rahm yeah. for me all day long Ian? I'm going Rory I'm, I'm going with Crowd the glint favorites. in the eye yeah I'm you going, saw I'm it going, didn't you you're going for yeah, him yeah I just got I've just I think I think missing the cut in Scotland was no major problem for him the fact that he was over here for Ireland he's you know embedded himself here he's a little bit up against it he's not in the world's top 10 coming into an open he wants to prove people wrong yeah and if he's true to his word and he found something last Sunday that might be the thing that just falls into place mm. and it's just been far far too long since he won a major so end it here he likes that too by the way he likes that sort of that yeah. anti thing he mm -hmm. likes it. that gets yeah. him going well as i say so many different ways of getting into the open championship it's open to to amateurs to pros and one gentleman who has worked extremely hard is sam forgan no doubt the first tee on the opening round on thursday will be an exciting moment for him you may have seen sam feature in the road to the open series charting his progress through qualifying just down the road at princess to bagging a spot here at royal st george's if you didn't here's a taste the last part i mean what was it probably 15 feet something like that maybe more um but it was quite a sidewindy little part i mean i had i was playing at least a foot and a half of break probably out of the right and um, to be honest it wasn't the greatest roll that I put on it all day but it went right in the middle and yeah that is, it's just such a it's a bit of a blur really I can't even remember what I did probably made an absolute fool of myself but who cares though straight after obviously there's just like this massive massive high but for some reason um, I, I my mind fairly quickly turned to like getting my card right like I, I you know if I know if I just kind of went or ballistic and then sign for the wrong score like it would just been probably the worst worst come down ever so initially it was like 30 seconds of madness and then I kind of like calmed myself down made sure my scorecard and stuff was right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you alright? yeah how are you? Uh, yeah good don't really know how, I don't even know how to answer the question it feels so weird Oh, have you been following it?
You can check out the full series at theopen.com and on the Open's YouTube channel. 12 players, including Sam Forgan, came through qualifying. It's the stuff dreams are made of, Rob. You did it yourself. I did, yeah. Getting to an Open Championship is special. Getting to an Open, and, and I, I, I've got a passion for this place because it was my first Open, but I, do you know what? I had no Marmite. I loved it as soon as I got here. I just fell in love with Royal St. George's, and every time I get to talk about it, um, over the years, I'm Royal St. George's is right at the top of my list. So to be back here, stood behind the 18th green, looking down that 18th fairway and, and thinking about what's going to happen over the four magical days here, I am super pumped. Super pumped. Well, Sam is as well. His brother was crying on the bag. His dad was in the pub. I mean, playing princess, overlooking St. George's, thinking, if only I can just, just get into the Open Championship. And he's in. What what will it be like for him playing in this? Uh, I, I can only guess, but I, I'm sure that it is going to be uh, just a, a life highlight, not just a career highlight. And, and as you say, qualifying so close at Prince's, it's almost cruel, isn't it? You, yeah. the, the, the target is there. And <laughs> for so many of the players everyone, there, yeah. it will have ebbed away. Um, so, no, he's going to have the time of his life. And I think we all are, actually, this week. Yeah, we are. You know, I just wanted to mention Nick yeah. Poppleton, who played a practice round with Phil Mickelson. His career earnings last year were £6,200. Sorry, 20, in 2021, 6200 Phil Mickelson, £34 million. <laughs> I wonder if they had a chat about... You know, earnings chefs. on the chefs, <laughs> chefs and personal trainers. Yeah. I need to go and chat to them about chefs. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I know you're desperate to stay another hour or so. Ian, I will be reading your book as soon as it is out. Tell us about it. Well, it's not. I'd, 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 I'd very quickly say it's not my book. It's, it's, it's very much the RNA's book. It's a celebration of the 150th Open, which will, this time next year, we will be looking at at St Andrews. So it was a great honour to be asked to, to write it. They, they said a certain number of words. I've done twice as many as I should have done. Um, it's, uh, it's turned into a love letter to the Open. It is my favorite uh, golf tournament, golf championship, and this is my favorite week of the year. So just bring it on. Oh, it's, fantastic. It's What's it so, called? I don't know. We don't know yet. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, know. I think it's just. I'm going to give like it five stars already. The 150th Open or something oh, like that. Oh, a celebration title. of. Catchy. So, um, yeah, and it's. And I know that the pictures. Oh, well done. I mean, the words are the words, but the pictures are going to be amazing. Shall we put it yeah. that way? <laughs> and, um, and it's uh, honestly just delving into the history of it all. And maybe if I. Uh, just as a very short story to finish, um, in the course of researching the book. Um, I found out about William, Dr. William Laidlaw Purvis, who was the man who came down. And the, the, the whole reason we are here is down to Claudius in AD 43, because he landed in Sandwich Bay. Claudius. And it was, what have the Romans done for us? There you go. So Dr. Purvis's brother yes. was an archaeologist, and he said, listen, don't play your golf at Royal Wimbledon this weekend. Come with me. I'm going to try and find some artifacts from Claudius AD 43 so they came to Sandwich Bay and um, Purvis climbed up the local St Clemens Church and he surveyed the, the ground and he, 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 he couldn't be bothered with the, the archaeology, he just thought <laughs> do you know what, we could have a fantastic golf course there Did he? and that's why the golf oh. course was made here and it was called St George's as England's equivalent to St Andrews it was the first place that staged the Open Championship in England and here we are now in 2021. Wow. First Open here in 1894, wasn't yeah, it? Correct. And here we are now on this glorious golfing land, looking forward to what will be an immense four days. 
Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you, Ian. Thank you, Rob. Uh, first on the tee on Thursday at 6.35, a trio of Englishmen led off by Richard Bland, Andy Sullivan and Marcus Armitage to kick off the 149th Open Championship from Royal St George's. You can follow the action via theopen.com, the official Open app, and be sure to subscribe to the Open podcast so you don't miss tomorrow's episode. We hope to see you then. Everything has led to this, a milestone championship. For the first time ever, we will run a ticket ballot for the 150th Open at St Andrews in 2022. We expect unprecedented demand, and everyone should have the chance to be there. It's fairer, it's more inclusive, it's safer. What's not to like? Find out more and sign up now at theopen.com. This has been an original audio production from The Open.